Hey guys, welcome back to Basic Snitches. I'm Tara. I'm Adam. Today we're going to be talking about chapter 13. Of the Order of the of Phoenix. Of the Order of the Phoenix. Detention, Detention with, with the I'm gonna keep doing it. <laughs> I gotta call it like I see it. Fair. Yeah, yeah. so we're gonna discuss that book today. That chapter of this book. <laughs> that chapter of this book. The whole book right <laughs> yeah, now. Yeah, we're doing yeah. the whole thing. <laughs> this is our, you know, famous annual... 10-hour episodes. <laughs> I was going to say 16-hour episodes. Can so. you imagine, oh my God, the editing that that would take, the sitting around and drinking that would take. Right. Adam would after a while be like, oh, I didn't edit anything. Here you go. Just Yeah, I, just I, I would give up. And <laughs> you would just hear us in the raw. Here we are in the raw. What? Yeah. Get your fucking mind out of the gutter. You can put your mind back in the gutter when we tell you to, listeners. And <laughs> well, it's coming. It's coming. You, I was like, no, you do you guys. It's fine. We're their podcast overlords, don't you remember? We are. But also, that's something that I'm just not going to tell them how to live their lives about. Oh, well, I'm going to tell you how to live your lives. You be nasty when we tell you to. (laughs) And speaking of nasty, this week on our Patreon, we are roasting what we find to be a nasty assessment of these books, or more particularly, an assessment of one of our favorite characters of the books. To hear that, you can subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash basic snitches or go to our website and click the Patreon link there for $3 a month. Of course, on top of all that fantastic exclusive content, we also mention you in every episode. So this is the time when we'd love to do that. Thank you again to Ashley, Mary Beth, Olivia, Nisi, Brian, and Brittany. We appreciate you all so much. It's been a while since we've got someone new, so come on, somebody else join us. We've mentioned it in our past few episodes, but our seventh Patreon member does get an exclusive piece of Basic Snitches merch. So if that's you, we'll ask you for your address and we'll mail that to you. And of course, more merch options potentially coming down the road too. We'll let you know. Hope to see you there on our Patreon. Winner loser of chapter 12. Do you know who they are? Uh, Winner is going to be Angelina Johnson. Did, did you freeze? <laughs> <laughs> Who do you think the loser is? Is it Angelina Johnson? No. Oh, okay. The loser is Umbridge. Yes. Okay. The winner of the chapter. McGonagall. McGonagall. Oh my God. Oh my God. Why did I? We literally just talked about that. Yeah, of course. She's the greatest. The, Sorry for shrieking McGonagall in your ears, guys, you, but she's the best. You shrieked many things into their ears. Yeah, that's true. Sorry. Maybe. Uh, yeah, that you're welcome. one apology for everything. I'm sorry, was. you're welcome. What there you go. That a girl. Okay. The title of my autobiography. At a girl? I'm sorry, you're welcome. Oh, <laughs> yes. That's <laughs> nice. That's very good. Those people, that makes a lot of sense. Really I mean, can't see it going another way. Yeah. Angelina was a stupid guess when you really think about it. But <laughs> Angelina's still Quinn, so. We love her. So, Tara wrote a thing. Oh, I did. It's my turn to read. Gene is busy t- sending us TikToks. Gene, we, Thanks, Gene. We, we love you. We we'll look at them later. Right we, we're in the middle of business. We got business. All right. Where's my email? Okay. Get ready, ladies and gentlemen. This is a long one. I'm sorry. Chapter 13, Detention with Dolores. While they are at dinner, Harry can hear what feels like everyone in the Great Hall whispering about him. Fed up with it, Hermione suggests that they leave early. Hermione tells Harry that she's not sure that anyone believed him or Dumble after the Triwizard Tournament last year. They head back to the common room and sit in front of the fire with Crookshanks. 
They spend some time bitching about the pink troll before they begin to work on their homework. Hermione threatens the twins with a letter to Molly and Ron chickens out on his prefect duties when it comes to telling his brothers to not use first years to test their experimental products. Professor Grubbly Plank is back and she's teaching about bow truckles. Harry asks her about Hagrid, but she doesn't tell him anything. Malfoy is, as always, terrible, but he also drops hints to Harry that he may know something about Hagrid that the Order does not. On their way to Herbology, they see Ginny and then Luna. Luna tells Harry she believes him and Dumbledore. Hermione is pretty rude to her, and even after she leaves, she continues to be rude about Luna to Harry. Bernie Mac butts in to tell Harry that he also believes him. Harry goes to dinner, and Angelina yells at him for getting detention for the day of Quidditch tryouts. He rushes through his dinner and then heads to his scheduled detention with Pink Bitch. Hell is floral tablecloths and lace covered surfaces, and that's the name of this episode. Hell is floral tablecloths and lace covered surfaces, and Umbridge is the gatekeeper. Harry asks her if he can have Friday evening off, and of course she says no. She has him do lines, but instead of giving him ink, she has him write I Must Not Tell Lies with a quill that cuts open his hand and writes in his blood. So detention is basically torture. Harry does not tell Ron and Hermione about what is really happening in detention and continues this pattern for two more nights. After Thursday night's detention, Harry heads back to the common room and runs into Ron. He is hiding from his brothers and being super suspicious. He finally admits to Harry that he has been practicing to try out for the Gryffindor Quidditch team. Ron expects him to laugh at him, but Harry is thrilled at the idea. But as they walk towards the common room together, Ron notices the cut on the back of his hand. Ron tells him to go to McGut or Dumble. The final evening of detention, Harry realizes that he can shift where he's sitting and he's able to check in on Quidditch tryouts. By the time that the detention is over, it's too dark for him to see the Quidditch pitch and his hand now continues to bleed onto the parchment. A weird thing happens when Umbridge touches Harry's arm to check his hand and instead of pain where he's been cut, he feels pain in his scar. He worries about what this means and heads back to the common room to discuss with Ron and Hermione. But when he arrives, he learns that Ron made the team. Harry finds Hermione and tells her about what happened with Pink Bitch, and she tells him he should go to Dumble. But Harry's over that bitch, so he says no and goes bit. That <laughs> was long, I'm sorry. It was long, but it was complete. There was a lot in there. You called it complete and made me think of your report card when the when your teacher didn't want to actually give you any kind of comments. They were like, complete. you know, just incomplete. a tens class or something. Like yeah. something very basic and like, so what, what did you think? Yeah, it was good. You attended class. I did. Let's get into some of these details. Yes. So, yeah, like you said at breakfast, they're already getting into the backlash from the, what McGuess said in the last chapter in terms of them not necessarily believing um, what Dumble said at the end of last year, what the Sorting Hat said at the beginning of this year. It's like exactly what he needs. Just more people like whispering yeah. behind his back. So unity is out the window and misinformation is in. <laughs> Hooray. I love that Hermione is just like, no, this is not the place to be for this. But also, Ron is like, but I have pie. And I'm like, Ron, just eat your pie. Let them go. It's okay. Pie I would never leave pie behind. No pie left behind. No pie left behind. Stop saying good names of this episode. We already have two and we are eight minutes in. <laughs> Unless it's Dumbledore, which we have already determined is shit pie. So I said this a little bit in the last episode too, but I think this is the darkest that a book is this early on. 
we've definitely seen a lot of that already with like Grim Old Place and some of the stuff that happens there and the Dementors and all of that. But this is just like, it is when Harry is really feeling the difficulties of school and who he is and everything way earlier than we typically do. It's not a good one. This is a rough chapter for him. There's also the effort to point out that they're still checking for Hagrid. They still see that Hagrid's cottage is dark and like that's just I feel like just like an extra burden. It's a literally and figuratively an absence of light in his life. I know. There's so many little details here that are kind of like important to like you know when they are back in their common room here at the beginning and there's Cookshanks and everything and they're talking about what a rancid see you next Tuesday umbridge is. Yeah. Because Hermione's like I can't fucking believe this. Yeah it's like the lowest that you can go. Right here at the beginning of this chapter it feels like basic high school shit rumors are about this student because we always are passing rumors you know and then this teacher sucks let's bitch about her like it's all very normal as we get into the next night when harry is in detention it is not very normal comparing this to what happens yeah. you're like oh shit because really this just feels like bitching about a teacher which is what you did whining because you have homework and being like ugh, everyone's picking on me like this is all stuff that you're like yeah that's really normal yeah so one thing that is said here is something about like how could they allow that woman to teach mm -hmm. and i touched on it at the end of the last episode yeah, too but did. Clearly, Dumble didn't allow her to, like, the ministry is, like, worming their way in. I know we all know that, but... Right. Well, and Dumble has not had the best look getting people into that position, so it was very easy for the ministry, I think, to probably slide in there. Yeah. This is also where there is the juxtaposition of the twins with, like, the fainting fancies and all of that, and then Hermione with the elf hats. She doesn't fuck around now. Yeah. She's like, I will write Molly. Yeah. And that scares the shit out of them. They shit their <laughs> pants. Right? <laughs> and she's like, mm, do you have a fainting fancy or a, an antidote chocolate for that? Mm -hmm. Where your booty hole sucks up that poop again? <laughs> I think the fuck not. You do this again and I'm going to tell Molly you're going to be shitting your pants forever. <laughs> so then you said the elf <laughs> Yeah, and then she's like, here's some ugly hats that I knitted. I'm just going to, you know, put these here under some garbage. <laughs> One of them, Harry or Ron, says the thing about like how, well, they won't know that they're touching it. It's wrong. Themselves. She's like, well, of course they want that to be free. I'm like, girl, no. It's such a hard place to be in because no one reading these books and no one in the scene don't think that Hermione is wrong to care about house elves and their rights and them being free. But Ron has grown up knowing about house elves. He's never had one. He knows that there's more to it than just being like, oh, well, you're free now. She wants these good things, but she just doesn't know how to go about it. Yeah. And this is not the way to go about it. I also feel like she learned enough last year with all the winky stuff too, where she could maybe be trying to make at least a little bit more better informed decisions and she doesn't, which we know that she is capable of. So it, it's interesting to see those two things happening side by side here. That's all this stuff that happens ahead of time. And then they talk a little bit more about all the their homework. I said this exact thing last episode, but it bears repeating. At this point, after just one day, I'm like, this really isn't that bad of homework. But then when you pile on detention and you pile on Quidditch and all these other things that people are asking you to focus on and the homework compounds itself, that's where it's like, oh my fucking God, it gets super overwhelming. It's, it's very telling because these characters, if we're looking at it in real time, they're not much older than we are. And I know that I was not the best student in like junior high, high school, but I did all the things. Like I was part of clubs. I did my homework. I 
was on the speech and debate team. I had a job. I dated. And I still had time to like dick around and be a kid. And kids don't have that now. Yeah. You know, I'm in my 18th year of coaching speech and debate. And I've watched it progressively get worse and worse and harder and harder. When Sarah was my student, I remember her class and people around her age. I remember them working hard, doing all the things. But they weren't in emotional overload just from going to school. Yeah. They were doing things and... I think Sarah worked at the rec center because she was a lifeguard. You know, she was able to do that. My speech students now, they were horribly stressed. And they've got all of this homework. At speech tournaments, I would play euchre with the debate team. Or we just sit around and bullshit. My students are quiet because they're sitting there doing homework. They stayed up all night preparing for the tournament and then not sleeping. And then, like, it's hard. And it gets worse and worse and worse. And this is what it feels like. Yeah, we had talked about this in a previous episode, too, about the amount that kids have for, like, lunches and stuff. Especially these days, for me, like, balance has been a major thing to achieve. Having that amount of shit to do when you're in these, like, formative years and then growing up and being an adult, that is no longer something that is maintainable, but you almost are used to it. And so trying to achieve that balance as an adult and what is realistic is interesting as well. Same thing here. Like, I was a fairly good student. I did a whole bunch of shit after school and things, and I had a job. And yeah, it's crazy to think that that is what is happening these days. And I mean, it's worth noting, you know, right now we are like two years into this pandemic. And right. Yes, that has changed and stuff. And in theory, some things are getting better, but. There's a lot of um, ways that students are being taught, too, that I think are maybe leading into more homework. It's interesting because, like, in the last episode, too, I had talked about how I like this curriculum structure of them having this test now, and then they get to kind of, like, shed some of the courses and really focus on what will help them forge forward in their career path. Exactly. That is good, and that makes sense, I think, in this context, too. In the U.S., that's not how it goes. You're taking math and English and history and science all the way up to when you graduate, and so other stuff, too. You know, I took French all the way up to the end. I took things like music all the way up to the end. And then you get into college, and you're even more able to, like, choose your schedule. Like we said again in the last episode, that's not something that these students have the luxury of. Because of all of that, it almost makes me feel like, yes, they are really stressed now, but because they don't have a college or something where this continues, it's almost worse in our world. I think the big issue is when they start piling on the detentions because Harry gets through that first night of detention and he gets back and Ron is asleep. He went to detention at 5 p.m. Yeah. And I'm assuming if Ron's asleep, everyone else in the dorm is asleep. That means he goes back and there's no one around. And McGonagall said at the end of the last detention? chapter, she is totally allowed to give you attention, whatever. I can't tell her not to. But the school should be able to say no more than X amount of hours per detention because, like, these students have to focus on other things. Maybe that's the big thing. Harry's been getting detention since the first fucking book. His detentions are always letting out so late at night. Yeah. Where he gets back to the common room and all he wants to do is go to bed. But, like, we go to work all day. When we get off work, we go home and we have dinner or we do a thing and have dinner. And we do laundry or we do an extracurricular Mm -hmm. or we do these things. There's not things happening where literally I get off work and then I do 
everything for five or six hours and go immediately to bed. Like, that's what detention sounds like. Yeah. That they're in detention until, like, midnight. 100. That's a good way to look at it. Let's say I'm in the office. Right now, for the most part, I am in the office Tuesday, Thursday. So then afterwards, I go to the gym. And then when I get home from the gym, I have, you know, X, Y, Z to do. I have to feed the cats. I have to make dinner. I have to clean up from dinner. There may be chores around the house, etc. Those are all other things that you have to consider. And we're moving further and further away from this. But it's worth relating to this in that, you know, family has told me more and more that I need to, like, go and visit my grandma. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, bitch, when? Because when I'm done with all of that stuff that I have to take care of for myself and for my house by myself, they don't have help doing any of that, it is late. If I, right after work, went out there and spent, you know, two to three hours and get back late, I haven't had dinner, I haven't prepared for the next day, I haven't done stuff for myself. I'm assuming class goes into a certain time because he gets out of class, doesn't go back to his dorm to drop things off so he can eat dinner, has to be in Umbridge's office at 5 p.m. So he was in school all day and then went right to detention. So what's more important, the child getting sleep and not, you know, like losing their fucking mind or becoming exhausted and ill or, okay, we'll go to detention for five hours and then stay up all night to do your homework and then not be able to function the next day. There is clearly nothing happening there as far as how do we regulate this to make sure the students don't fall apart, you know, because sleep is important. Here's the other thing. Naturally, kids are going to get sick and not going to be able to go to class, but this is the first week. Hermione is always right, and people need to fucking do their own homework. But this first week of school, when is Harry supposed to do his homework? And he just goes right to bed because he can't do it. You can't really blame him. Yeah. But then the next day, he's like, oh, I can't have breakfast because I have to do my homework. When he's bleeding out during detention. So let's actually get into because the overarching absolutely yes. that is all important. This is what this is what this chapter is about. Yeah. Let's really quickly go to Care of Magical Creatures. Like I kind of mentioned last episode, that is my catchphrase this episode. Talking about teachers who are accredited and stuff. Yeah. This time, Grubbly Plank really did give me that feeling of she knows what the fuck she's oh, doing. She does. She always does, but there was something that like made her feel more trustworthy this time. And of course, Bow truckles. We love bow truckles. We do. So that happens. A couple other little things that do happen here. Like you said in your thing, Draco is fucking around with Harry's mind. Truly, I think that's what it is. Saying, oh, Hagrid is blah, blah, blah. Right. Right. And then also something that Harry does, which is kind of out of line, but again, he's under an immense amount of pressure more than ever, is when he goes up to Grubbly Plank and like, where's Hagrid? And she's like, that's not your business. I mean, here's the thing. I've said before, I like Professor Grubbly Plank. She's not a bad guy. She comes in and does her job. She is not unaware of the fact that Harry wants to know where Hagrid is and that Harry and Hagrid are friends. She's like, I'm here. I gotta do this professional thing. No kid, I ain't telling you. The other thing, though, is that at the end of this lesson, and Harry is just, like, so amped up about what Malfoy said about Hagrid, and he says to Hermione, don't even say that she's a better teacher than Hagrid, even though in his head... He knows she is, and he's, like, annoyed by it because he's just so loyal to Hagrid. He's so frustrated. Said in the chapter something along the lines, though, he knew he just had a great lesson and he was annoyed by it. That's such a relatable thing. Because, you know, you're like, well, Hagrid's my boy. Like, I want to be supportive of him, but actually he's not so great of a teacher. Like, it's it's a lot for him to kind of think about. And I love that he just tells Hermione, like, don't say she's a better teacher because he can't hear it out loud, even though they all know that she is. Yeah. There is this thing here about, like, substandard teachers and talking about Hagrid is one of them 
But then, of course, Umbridge is in the back of your head, too, is someone who is not a great teacher. What I wrote down is substandard teachers versus substandard people. It's like they may both be substandard teachers, but Hagrid is not a substandard person, whereas Pink Bitch obviously is. And she's not even really a teacher. Like, we don't see her teach anything. She just is like, this is the book reading. Right. It's you know? the Ministry Approved Curriculum. She's not passionate about what she's doing because she's teaching defense against the dark arts because she's not teaching. Yeah. Which, like, Hagrid at least has that passion and he will do everything he can to tell you about a thing. He might not be very good about it or he's misjudging the appropriateness of something, but he's not a bad teacher in that regard. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point, that passion there which is something that really isn't covered but it's something to think about one other thing that i have to say about scared magical creatures the bow truckles are kind of like a foreshadowing to what detention will be because this is a long chapter too it like, is isn't that interesting it's these things that will claw your eyes out and then of course later he ends up using the quill to well, let's get into it because that's kind of like one of the yep. next big things i mean we all know what it is he writes the quill magically uses his own blood and scratches in the back of his hand this is fucking child abuse it is <laughs> it is and it's really telling his understanding of the situation how quickly he is like i can't react to this yes she wants to hear him complain and whine about it and instead he's like i have to just act like this is nothing what if she'd given detention to hermione because hermione was the first person to have an outburst about it you know or ron or someone else how would they have reacted to that i mean hermione would have gone right to dumbledore she would absolutely have gone right to dumbledore i think ron would have taken the harry route and then gone to dumbledore mcgonagall like i think he would have like tried to hold off as long as harry did and harry would have held off longer if ron hadn't noticed Mm-hmm. because ron comes from a very loving family mom and dad weasel would be like yeah, i absolutely fucking want to know about this look at harry's background like harry didn't want to tell his best friends and that's a very interesting thing because he's been struggling this whole time even though a couple chapters into the book where he was mad about ron being a prefect and then berating himself and being like well that's not ron's fault why do i fucking care i don't care about these things harry being in his head in this book is so fascinating because he- it's not a typical 15 year old oh, boy no he- i've even talked about how he's mindful He's not mindful at all in this book so far. Here he is. Here he is. But, but it's I a different type of mindfulness. It's forced. Yeah. That's a certain type of mindfulness because you know what? Like if you don't acknowledge yourself for being wrong, she's done in this book. I think that that's more mindful than being always aware of yourself. That means you're catching yourself making a mistake and being like, no, I am wrong. I need to not be like this. Well, it's wrong, but it's not wrong. And I think that it's not so much that. I don't think it's him being mindful. It is a compounding of shit after shit after shit after shit. From the very beginning of this book, from the very end of the last book, let's say, it's just been negativity here and there. And there are some great shining moments here and there, but they are so few and far between. And then he comes back to school, which is something that he's been hoping for. And I think rather than mindfulness, what this is is just numbness. Yeah. He listens to what like McGus says the night before and he takes that in stride, sure. But I think it's not him making that choice. It's just like, this is what it is. I have to be stubborn. I have to not let this happen. But it comes from this place of he doesn't know what else to fucking do because he's already reaping the consequences of having this detention. He doesn't want more of it. The only thing I can do is shut my mouth. I think that's more what it is. Later in the book, 
when they're discussing this. I mean, it's even kind of touched on this chapter. One of the reasons why he doesn't want to go to Dumbledore and McGonagall especially is when she becomes the high inquisiting bitch. I can't say a thing to McGonagall. If McGonagall says something, what if she just gets thrown out? And like McGonagall is so fucking important in this book, especially. Harry making the decision to be like, I'm not saying anything is more than just him being like, I don't want people to know about this. It's him learning that this is just all bad news. Yeah, there's some of that too, for sure. Some other notes that I have about Umbridge too. Obviously, like her demeanor and stuff, her sugary demeanor and that is just like so fake and it makes you hate her even more. Even when he first comes in and says, hey, I have this other thing on Friday. Is there any way that he can try to get out of course we've talked about how angelina come well we didn't really talk about it too much but angelina comes in and is like you need to get the fuck out of detention on friday because there's this quidditch thing very matter of fact oh no 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 you need to learn a thing that you, you want to do you can't do yeah in that case i'm like okay she isn't necessarily wrong like this is a consequence but then when it gets so much further into like what she's actually doing and you know what she keeps saying throughout this whole week is settling it in settling it in yeah, or maybe it's not subtly. Uh, sinking. She sinking wants it to in. sink in. Yeah. Sidebar on Angelina, because we didn't talk about her in this chapter. The fuck does the Seeker do during fucking tryouts for the Keeper? Yeah, seriously. What the fuck does she need him there for? Well, like she said, I she mean, wants she wants the whole be... team there, but I was like, but what is he going to do? To make sure that they get along. Like, right. she talked about that. And luckily it works out. Oh my god, then this chapter she's like, he's not great, but it's um, best I got. Well, yeah, at the end where she is kind of going through, well, these two performed better, but one of them whined constantly. And I forget what the other one did, but like, it it's like Ron. Overbooked or something. Yeah. She was in Charms Club. Oh, if practice interviews with Charms Club, then she's going to do Charms Club. So there were those reasons that she chose Ron, but I almost was kind of like, did Ron kind of get this by default? Because he's Harry's friend and Harry couldn't be there and she knows that they'll get along. No, I don't necessarily yeah. know if that's I think there true. were other people there too, but those were the people who she called out because they were better than yeah. Ron as far as how they flew. Yeah, and I do think rather than doing that and trying to discount what Ron has done, he is now a prefect and he's on the Quidditch team. Like, let's give it up for fucking Ron, okay? For real, though, this is a really good book for Ron, honestly. It really is. Points-wise, I think this is already, by far, his Ron, best book. It's nice that that's how the chapter ends because, you know, the bullshit with Umbridge. The audacity of coming into a school and just doing that clearly has no qualms about having a child rip open their own hand with basically a scalpel. Yeah. She has no concerns about anyone seeing this on his hand. She doesn't do any kind of magic to hide it. It's like he comes into the room and she's like, try me. And he's like, all right, you try me, bitch. It's a very interesting dynamic yeah. when the two of them are alone together. There was one night where all he said was, was hello and then good night or yeah. something like that. It's as simple as her just putting five fucking tablespoons of sugar in mm -hmm. her tea. It's like oh nothing, God. which we'll get to that shortly too. It really just show how non-complacent she is. This is like truly... Other than all this shit like ministry, basics of defense against the dark arts, blah. This is the first thing that you really see of like, this is who this bitch is. And this is what oh, yeah. she is capable of. Now, I do have a question because honestly, with all of my notes, we kind of talked through all of them when we were going through, you know, the overarching element of the chapter. My question is at the end, when she grabs him and his scar starts hurting, why is that? Because she's a demon, right? 
right? Oh, exactly. I think that this is to establish that Harry's been getting pain in his scar. Again, he clearly is like, this bitch is evil. And having, I think, that coincidence, because I think Hermione is correct that it is a coincidence. But as we get through the book and get toward the end, we learn that it's easier for Voldemort to get into Harry and to Harry when he's more vulnerable. Mm. And while Harry's not necessarily terribly vulnerable in this moment, because he's already figured out how to get through life with this fucking pink bitch. He finished the detention, the four nights of detention, of having his hand cut open continually. This toad-ass pink troll bitch grabs his arm because she wants to see how well she's done. There's probably some sort of hesitancy to that anyway, like, don't touch me, bitch. But when she touches him, he gets the pain in the scar. And it's probably lingering Voldemort pains. It's trying to establish that that comes at him. But because it happens at the same time that she touches his arm, now we have that whole other element of him being like, is this bitch being controlled by Voldemort? Because that would make sense, you know? Yeah, it would. But I think the way that you describe it as being, it's unexpected where Uh she grabs. I mean, he is sort of vulnerable in this moment. He's letting his guard down too because he got through this detention. Uh Because, you know, he's been on this like, stubborn ass kick through the last three nights being like i'm not gonna let this bitch know she gets to me he's done for now at least so he might have just like let his guard down being like i don't have to be stubborn with you yeah sure look at my fucking hand there's a couple other things with this too before we move on with people being back on their bullshit we talked about how Snape's back on his bullshit. There's some other things here, like Hermione's back on her bullshit with the whole elf hat thing. There is a certain deja vu here of Harry's scar hurting, Hermione saying to go to Dumbledore, and then him not doing that and being like, I'm going to write serious instead. There is a lot of people kind of going through the same motions, not necessarily learning from the past. And it's interesting because that is basically what is happening in this entire book. Those who do not learn from history are doomed to repeat it. This is the third or fourth time where we've seen that with a character but the whole world is doing this too so i thought that was pretty interesting and hermione is like you know you can't do that because owls you know are yes. being checked harry got dumped off at the dursleys no one checked in on him and no one made sure that this child was okay dumbledore's refused to look at him since forever why would he want to go to dumbledore it's the same thing i was thinking in the first couple books why the fuck didn't he go to dumbledore about this or this or this and then sirius is his adult contact it's a person who he can go to in his brain is not thinking oh i can put that in a letter so i get that so we about to have some firehead conversation i really quick want to talk about ron when harry heads back on thursday this is before ron becomes a member of the team it's exactly what you expect but it also makes me sad that ron would be like "Mm, friend george can't know i've been planning to try out for the team because they'll give me shit because of course they will it's not even about the fact that they would give him shit it's that he expects harry to laugh at him he has been kind of brought down so much by having all these older brothers who were so successful and great Quidditch players or whatever. And then, like, he's like, oh, everyone's just going to think it's funny, including my best friend. I love that Harry's like, this sounds fucking great. We love Quidditch. Like, yes, let's do this. It's such a, like, best friend thing. Harry literally gets to the point where he's thinking more about Ron than what he just went through that he makes the mistake of letting Ron see his hand. It's a really strong moment between the two of them as friends because it's not what you'd expect. It's Harry trying to come back from detention and instead having to console his friend, who his friend does not think he's good enough, and then Ron having to deal with a very scary and adult thing. My friend is being abused. Ron is not a throwaway character. He's not an idiot. He's appalled by this. Yeah. Like in the last chapter where McGonagall is kind of like this beacon at the end. Mm -hmm. And it happens more in the center and sort of at the end as well. 
But Ron, I think, is that beacon here, too. It is a nice moment for Harry to, to acknowledge his friend. And it's better than what happened with the prefect thing, where at first he has some of those doubts. And in right. this case, it's like, it's a lot better. And I think it, it gives Harry a little bit of something to cling on to, too, despite all of this. So there's all of that. Another thing with all of this that I did come up with, and it's kind of my last big thing on this chapter, is just balance in general. We always see these instances where everybody has so much stuff going on then they have these other things that they choose to do that is making them overwhelmed for harry it's something that he can't control because it's the fucking detention right for hermione it's something that she chooses to put on herself and it's like knitting these fucking hats like it's so out of character she's going about it the wrong way and she just keeps on doing it keeps on doing it and she's exhausted because she's trying to do that and then we have ron And Ron is probably not doing his homework, but he is doing this thing that he's doing it for himself. He's practicing. He's trying to, like, hide it from his brothers, like you said. Just everything about Ron this book so far has impressed me so much, especially after the last book. It was not his best book. Just everything you said and recognizing Ron is, I think, a really important thing to do. I think it is important. These students should be able to have the things that they also want to do. Like, Ron not doing his homework is Ron not doing his homework. But at the same time, if he's, like, panicking, he has, like, the first week of class to prepare for Quidditch trials and that's it. You know, I guess overdoing it, that makes sense. But Ron also habitually doesn't do his homework. But Hermione, you know, she did all of her homework and she stayed up late making hats. Yeah. It's almost weird. I don't think it's necessarily to the degree that it was in the last book. Because in the last book, it was more of Harry's in peril, Hermione is the good guy, Ron is the bad guy. If mm-hmm. we had to boil it down to that. In this case, it's kind of the opposite. Harry's in peril again, of course. but And Hermione doesn't get down to where Ron was. But I almost feel like Ron, and maybe I'm grading on a curve or something, but Ron is just shining so much in, in so many other areas. Despite like being himself and being in character. Again... <laughs> In the last chapter, I had said how his interaction with Cho is a little bit like he doesn't really think about it, but it's very, very in character. And I think this is too, but it all feels very positive. Justice for Ron. Ultimately, I am pleased that Ron makes the Quidditch team. Not just for Ron, but for Fred and George to get to see their brother do the thing. Because obviously we learn throughout this book that Ron does not do well especially with them on the team, because they make him nervous. Good for him for still making the team in front of them, and good for him for all of the growth he does as a Quidditch player this year. Yeah. Sorry, Fred and George. Teasing your brother is what you do as brothers, but eventually it's kind of old. Ron is successful as a Quidditch player despite that, and that makes me happy for him. The only other thing I have to say about this chapter is Harry needs a therapist. Shocking. Do you want to play a game? Yes. We are going to play... I would ask for a drum roll, but I know you don't do drum rolls. Never have I ever... Tried this once. It kind of didn't work. I think it works better in this chapter. So So put up five fingers. Never have I ever gotten detention. You have? I have never had a detention. Shocking. I thought... Are you being sarcastic or not? I'm not surprised at all. I have never gotten a detention. There were some times in this chapter where I was going to say things like, aren't detentions like right after school and they last for like 45 minutes or something? So that takes away time of you doing your own bullshit. But I didn't want to give it away for this. So here's the thing is I have to tell the story about the detention I've gotten. 
I got one detention and it was for not showing up to class. It was the beginning of a new semester and they changed my schedule and I never knew. So I didn't go to class for a whole week because I didn't know I was in that class. The original schedule I was given, I was in a different class when I went to that oh class. Oh my God, so that was, that sounds like some Hogwarts shit It right was there. bullshit. Oh my gosh. Next, never have ever told the truth, but no one believed you. Of course. Hasn't that happened to everybody where you say something that's honest and everyone thinks you're lying? Yeah. Totally. Number three, looked up a dream meaning. Of course. (laughs) Of course I did that. Of course I haven't done that. (laughs) You should. Next time you remember a dream, write it down and text it to me or something. Okay. Number four, knitted or crocheted. Oh, how fucking dare you. You you have or you haven't? Oh yeah. Oh my God. I did in that fucking play. (laughs) I Ah, I wasn't even thinking of that. Of course I have because I'm a crafty bitch. I am not a crafty bitch. Oh my god. I didn't even think about that because I'm like, well, I know I have. But (laughs) I knit. That's the only time I've done that. Oh my god. That's hilarious. Okay. Didn't even think about that. And the fifth one is been on a sports team. Oh, look. Pinky. We are Dr. Evil. Both of us put down $1 four. $1 million. That one, <laughs> that one worked way better this time. Okay. Never have I ever is bad. So let's go through it. The one thing that you have not done is looked up a dream meeting. Correct. Which seems correct. And the one thing I have not done was had a detention. Yes. Which I guess also seems kind of correct. What sports team have you been on? I played softball. Really? I played soccer. I also played field hockey for a hot minute. Oh, that's fun. And I ran track in junior high. Oh my God, that's fun. And I, well, it's not really a team. I played uh, summer league tennis. Oh my gosh. I have thought about joining a gay sports league. What does that even mean? What is a gay sports league? Like, or is it specific ones? Like gay baseball? Gay baseball. Okay, but I mean, you just call it a gay sports league. Like you just join a sports league and you like get there and they're like, today we're going to play gay rugby. Today. (laughs) Oh yeah, today we're going to play gay clue. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, no, I just—I don't know. I, I guess I was expecting you to be like, join a gay sports league. Like, gay clues baseball. when all the characters are men and all of the weapons are blunt objects. It's all lead pipes. Six lead all pipes. At the beginning, we realized that Umbridge has diabetes. Oh my god. <laughs> that bitch puts so much sugar in her tea. I don't even put sugar in my coffee. Oh my god. Like, really, sugar bitch? Tea, bitch? Oh my god. So that happens, and it, I mean, it's a precursor. And I was like, did Filch give you permission to paint your office pink? I mean, Filch totally did. He did, but also, like, I guess she can do magic. Uh, I mean, I guess. Right? Oh my god, I like those the... fucking cats in her office. I like the thought of her going to, like, Lowe's and getting this paint, <laughs> rolling it on manually. I, I... I like that. I love it. <laughs> That's what it happened in my mind. Even when Harry knocks on the door and she kind of looks up from her tea wide-eyed and there's a pause that is so pregnant. It feels like a minute goes by before she's like, come in or whatever. And like the music is kind of like dainty yet really kind of creepy. Yeah. Everything about it. The first time I saw the movie in the theater, so with Brian, my ex-husband, not Brian Jackson, he'd never read the books. During that scene, you see her put the sugar in her tea. He leans over to me and he goes, is she going to try to poison him? And it's funny because that's not what she's doing, obviously. Later on in the book, they try to use Verit Serum on him. And in the movie, they use that Verit Serum to like get it out of the children. She didn't know anything. And he goes, is she going to try to poison him? And I just go... Oh no. Oh, I will never forget that moment because 
watching those movies with someone who didn't know what the fuck they were watching yeah. was great. But it does. It's very suspicious. Uh-huh. That sugar is sus, dude. It totally is. It's like that sugar in the raw. Like, it's chunky-ass sugar. Yeah, which is good stuff, but, like, not that much, bitch. Mm-hmm. She looks at her fucking scalpels on the table and kind of, like... Oh, my God, yeah, she, her. like, lines them all up. The moment where, like... Harry realizes what is happening and she comes over and she's like, yes, you understand that you deserve to be punished. I'm like, you are a fucking psychopath. Oh my God. Again, she's wonderful in the scene. Melda Staunton, you're wonderful, but Jesus Christ. But God, fuck you. We hate you so much. Oh my God. Worst. The worst villain ever. She, we hate her. It's a good scene for Dan too. Because they have, like, this stare-off. It's very well done. Mm. I don't need more of it. I will say, I have to talk about the end of the chapter and how I hate it in the movie. When they're, like, sitting there doing their homework. And then Hermione's like, what's wrong with your hand, Harry? Oh, yeah. And she's like, no, the other one. I don't like that Hermione is the one that notices it. I don't think this is an Emma Watson not acting well. I think it's terrible directing. When she was like... You need to tell Dumbledore. And he was like, no. And she's like, you have to report this. Why does she say both of those lines? It's a very weird choice. I hate it. Yeah. And it's also not Hermione. Hermione, essentially, she'd be like, you have to tell Dumbledore. And Harry would be like, no. Like, he does. And then her be like, we have to do something about this. Okay, well, we need to plan something. We need to figure something out. Instead of just being like, no, you have to report this. Yeah. Like, I think so. I mean, the fact that it should be Ron, like, talking about, like, characters who mm-hmm. have lines and, <clears throat> and are not given... <laughs> the well, correct line. There's also, of course, the little scene with the skiving snack boxes, which is kind of clever, and I guess I forgot about it, because it almost feels like something that would be a cut scene, if you will. Right. Like, there's the one kid who his, like, jowls some... <sighs> become like pregnant and i was like gross that is nasty i was like you got some goiter dude yeah what is that the goiter nougat goiter goiter <laughs> nougat and goiter seem like the same word to me so that's why i said that you but... say nougat and goiter are the same word yeah the, i can't explain it but they are so there was so that... no goiter nougat for christmas you no goiter it. nougat goiter nougat is your new drag name no it's yours no mine is belinda china shot the Goiter Nougat is your drag name, Bentley. <laughs> He's like, okay, can I have that straw, please? <laughs> I made it into a thing. Here. I hit him in the head with it. <laughs> so there was that, and I was like, okay, I mean, I guess it's a precursor to what happens to <clears throat> twins later, so that's fine. Fine. Um, I do like that they added, it's not like really much, I don't even know what they're talking about, but there's a little scene between Ron and Hermione. They're flirting, but they're not. And it's great. Oh, it they, just, they, there is? Well, they're walking into the common room, and it's, like, right before that last part. And mm-hmm. it's, like, not even anything important. But you just get to see the two of them together. That's, I like it because the two of them have good chemistry together. Uh-huh. And because, again, they fuck Ron over in this movie, and he doesn't do anything exciting or intelligent. Yeah. At least they show us that Rupert Grant is a great actor. So that is another thing that I was about to say is about how... I think the biggest disservice for me is not having anything with Quidditch. Mm-hmm. I think that is kind of a loss because of what it does for Ron. I would almost say if they had that in here, I could maybe forgive the whole thing that you mentioned about Hermione noticing the stuff on the hand because he gave something to ron but even in that instance i think it would still be a loss because that moment that we talked about where they see each other in the hall is the perfect time to do that (laughs) 
overall, it's like, give something to Ron. He's not a prefect. He's not on the team yet, which we know he is in the next book because there's scenes with it. So, yeah, I mean, that whole thing is a big loss. Do we really need the other classes? Do we need to have care of magical creatures? Eh, not really. They would have to hire somebody to be Grubbly Plank. Right? (laughs) God forbid they give women more work. Seriously. Seriously. I mean, let's not have Quidditch because we have a woman of color as captain of the Quidditch team, so we probably shouldn't bother doing that. Yeah, there you go. That's another step back. But, I mean, yes, everything involving Umbridge is done very well. They made me hate kittens for an entire scene. Literally, I hate kittens every time I see them in this movie. Did you hear that, Bentley? Only in the movie. I still love this kitten. I love the kittens. But when I look at them in the fucking screen, I'm like, I hate these kittens. Those kittens are hoes. Get out of here, kittens. You bitches. Starting with positive points. Plus 20 to Ron because he made the Quidditch team. And he had a lot of other good moments. I agree. This is a great, great book for Ron. Um, plus 10 to Bow Truckles. Because we like Bow Truckles. We do. Plus 10 to Grubbly Plank, too. Because, like I had said, something about this occurrence of her, I'm like, yeah, she's a solid bitch. She knows what she's doing. Let her do her fucking job. And then also plus 10 each to Ernie Mac and Luna, which we didn't really talk about in our discussion. Right. But you said in your thing. And support for Harry is obviously something that we are valuing right now. Luna, we know she's a bad bitch, but I could maybe... I'm not going to because it's already, you know, logged and everything. I could have maybe given more to Ernie Mac because Ernie Mac did not need to do that. Ernie Mac was being a nosy bitch, but that's okay. That's just who he is. That's fine. I feel like that's sort of a Hufflepuff thing, maybe. It's an Ernie Mac thing. Yeah. I think back to the second book where we were like, Ernie, come on. It's like... Nah, you you made up for it. It's fine. Ten points to net. He's a good guy. Yes. Negative five to Fred and George for testing their Skyping Snack boxes on first use. But also negative five to Hermione. Mm. The house elves. I think this is where it becomes a little bit more dire out of the last chapter. And negative ten to Malfoy for trying to plant lies in Harry's brain. And for existing. And then lastly, negative a hundred to Pink Bitch. Only negative a hundred. Only, only, only. I feel like you've given people. Have you? Is this? Is that the most you've ever taken from? I've probably taken like two hundred away from Fudge and everything. But don't worry, she is well on her way to losing this book. Don't you worry. What the fuck? Fudge Packer. Oh my god, that's something we forgot to say about in the movie. Oh, His fucking picture is on picture her desk. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like a picture of my fuck buddy here on the desk. She's the one who packs the fudge. Oh my god. Next time, we're going to be reading nothing, as usual. We're going to be discussing chapter 14, which is called... Um, the Firehead Conversations or something. Lupin and... Lu- Lu- no, uh, Percy that's, that's, that's and, and Padfoot. It was a dog. There was a dog in there. Percy and Padfoot. Yeah. Actually, that's a lie. This is editing Adam really quick. We are not doing that next week. We'll be doing that in the following episode because next week is Christmas. So next week, you know what's coming if you know. Okay, back to original us. So we're going to have a gay dog. (laughs) So gay. The next chapter is just gay. The next chapter is gay. Because I Thank still God believe for that. Sirius is gay, so. Yeah, everybody is gay. We'll see you there, <laughs> listeners. All right. Yeah, I got nothing. Do you have Bye, anything friends. to finish it off? Nope. No? All right, well, talk to you later. Bye. Basic Snitches is recorded and produced by Adam Bowers and Tara Corkery. Thanks so much for listening. Be sure to rate us five stars on your listening app of choice and share us with all your other friends who love Harry Potter and getting drunk. Yes. Join our social media pages. 
Facebook, Instagram. I never update Twitter, but we have that. We do. Also email basicsnitches at gmail.com. We also now have a website, basicsnitches.com. And a Patreon, patreon.com slash basicsnitches. Join today and get exclusive content every week and be acknowledged in every single one of our episodes. Taryn Telegra, dance bitch. I see you new friends who don't make me dance for nothing. Yeah, they ain't gonna come, honey. We out! <laughs>